This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome to the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio, perhaps the most listened to uh, immigration podcast in the known universe. Is that uh, is that what you told me, David? Is this the known universe, or, or do we know the universe yet? Well, we're... I think we're uh, we're close on that new planet that they found. We have we we haven't reached there yet, have we? Or have we? No. Well, it's a uh, what? Uh, it's five hundred light years away, so probably not there for another four hundred and eighty-five years or something. I'm raising like that. my hand to go on the first flight. Yeah, is that what it is? Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> and I will establish America's second web radio. Is it? Is it? <laughs> Well, it's great to be back with you today. I missed last week because I got stuck in an event and I couldn't get out. But it's great to be back again this week. Um, David, the garden, my garden's actually doing pretty well. My tomatoes are now coming in. I know your tomatoes have been in for a month. Yeah, but mine are just now coming in. It's it's all been real funny. Um, My tomatoes produce like crazy. The little cherry tomatoes Uh are are going nuts. But the, the big tomatoes bloomed. I got, you know, a dozen good sized and nice tomatoes, and now they they're, they're beginning to start blooming. But it's like they cycled, and yeah, they might be getting a second bloom because we had some really weird weather. So, yeah. uh, but I, I I didn't get that first set of tomatoes, and now I got now I've got my first set of tomatoes coming in, and it's growing like crazy. Uh, I have gourds out the out my gourd. I've got uh, string beans like you can't believe. This has oh, been yeah. an amazing string yeah. bean year. I planted. I don't know, 150 million plants. That was that was about 149 too many. Yeah. I can't even pick them. I mean, I can't even pick them. There's some freaking many yeah. of them. Uh, and my corn, I, I did I did get a couple years of corn. It looks like I should be able to pick them tomorrow. We'll see how they come out. And maybe they'll be eaten by bugs by then. But who knows? Do you plant jalapenos? I did. I got a couple of my plants. I didn't have a good pepper year this year, but I, I, yeah, peppers but aren't good. Most of my plants didn't really grow very well, and the rest of them, because last year was an amazing pepper year. This year, not so much. I know. It's uh, interesting how things cycle like that. Yeah, uh, I, I keep waiting for Last year I had jalapenos just by the... Really crazy. Bucket. Now I have watermelons like crazy this year, which I did not have last year. I got two. I should have probably about 40. At least that's what we counted in there. I'll supply the fried chicken. <laughs> And uh, what else? Oh, my grapes are ready to pick in about two or three more days. We should have uh, the full grape. We have Concord grapes, Mm -hmm. which I just absolutely love Concord grapes. Seedless? Oh, no, they're seeded. Yeah, seedless ones, I don't even know where to get those plants. I mean, those are magic plants. These are the true Concord grapes, the kind they make grape jelly out of. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, so I'll make my own grape jelly again this year. I can remember my uh, grandparents out in Lubbock. Uh Uh-huh. Um, they had a, a grape arbor, and you had white and uh, and Concord. Concord, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think my whites didn't really have not really matured yet. But I my can remember, and they never sprayed them. I can. I don't spray. Hot them. summer day, and you'd go out, and they had a big swing under. Just the squeeze grape them into your mouth, and oh yeah, and you just yeah, spit yeah, the pit out. Yeah. Oh man, these are that. These are that good. What has not really grown well my figs this year. You know, I've lost my fig trees each of the last two years, and this year's figs came back again, but. Well, not a lot of figs on it. A lot of, lot of, lot of wonderful f- leaves. How's your squash? Uh, squash did great this year. I picked off uh, not well, not as m- I had a lot of male flowers. I didn't have a lot of female flowers this year. I mean, I picked off some massive zucchini and some big squash. Um, I had a lot of lemon squash. Like, you know, I still got squash growing, but not a lot of female flowers this year for some reason. You know, they don't, they only grow on female flowers. So, I, again, I think the issue is bees. I don't think there's enough bees out there, and for that reason, I have offered, I have purchased a flow hive. Huh. 
yeah. It's the new high-tech uh, beehive where you don't have to take it out. and I mean, basically, it's just a turn of a key and the honey flows. So I'm waiting for delivery of my flow hive, and uh, next year I should have my own, my own bees, uh, which I'm kind of excited about. What about uh, insects? Have you had any problem with... I've had really. I've had in my greenhouse. I had some bug that literally ate off my stems of some of my tomatoes, and to all my organic gardening friends, usually I'm a really good organic gardener. But you know what? I'm not going to tolerate you eating my tomatoes. So I put seven all over them, and they killed them. So they, they came. <laughs> then, I, then I brushed. Then I sprayed it off. But um, but my eggplant. I have three eggplants growing in my greenhouse that are growing like crazy. Hmm. So I'll get eggplants this year as well. But again, bees are an issue. Bees are an issue for us this year. Um, but I'm kind of excited because I have, you know, 15 varieties of tomato plants, and they are all coming in. And then I've got these big golden pineapple ones that are just wow. mucho bueno, as they say in the old country. See, si. Mucho bueno. So I'm kind of excited about that. But that's kind of the gardening update. You know, it hasn't. I, I was out last weekend at my high school reunion, my 35th year high school reunion. We don't want to go there. With some of my dear friends. Uh, we're, we're celebrating one... It's got to be close to 50, right? uh, Yeah. (laughs) Got to be close to 50. Um, And it was good. You know, I came from a very small high school. We had 44 kids in our graduating class, and uh, it uh, really a delightful. Most of these kids were closer to me than my siblings. I mean, I I just swear I grew up in a little tiny place, and, you know, people I really love, and it was really good to see a group of them together. It was a small group. Usually you get together in big groups on the even number of years. It was kind of an odd number of years. We had 1,200 in my graduating class. Even back in the day? Yeah. Wow. Wow. And that was one of four high schools. Oh, man. A little tiny town in upstate New York. I mean, it's just, you know, people think of New York as the big thriving metropolis. You get out of the city, and it's country boy. It's country boy. But I went by the places I grew up. I don't know if you've ever done that. You go by and see the house you grew up in when you oh, were a yeah, kid, sure. and you realize, wow, this house is a lot smaller than I remember. <laughs> I took my uh, I took my two boys out to Texas, uh, well, about six years ago, I guess now, and uh, we went and and I called the people prior to going yeah. and said, you know, introduce myself and said, do you mind if we come by? And, and they were both, I say both, they they were. I didn't go to the the first or the second house, but I went to the third and the fourth house, and they were both very nice. Yeah, the people that bought that house in the country where I grew up, because I, well, I just spent the first 12 years of my life near New York City across from Mid- Midtown Manhattan, a place called North Bergen, New Jersey, um, and those folks, I don't, you know, I, I don't want to get shot in there, so it's a tough neighborhood these days. It was a tough neighborhood back then, but in the country, the people that bought the house from my parents still own it. Uh, wow. So I've been in the house, and it's just you know, it's interesting to see what they've done to it, and it's... Uh, you go back in your room and you go, wow, this room is really small. <laughs> this was well, yeah. huge. On, on, uh, th- this is actually my grandfather. He was in the lumber business. He had built the, this house, and then when uh, he after he retired, my parents bought it from him or bought it from my grandparents, and um, they added on and stuff. And But it was uh, – and it's on the tour thing, uh, national – Oh, register, reg- 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 yeah, register, whatever. So um, – we go and, and it's right across from Texas Tech. It's it's a big, big house, big popular place, and uh, it had the old Spanish tile on it. And mm-hmm. my dad, literally, when they remodeled it and did some other stuff, on it, they had to order s- these special, special tiles because yeah. they're the real thing. They yeah. ain't the, you know. So anyway, I get there now. This is this is twenty some odd years later, you know, and the, the house has been sold twice since yeah. my parents owned it and stuff and. Uh, and I walk in, and this lady, her husband's a professor at Tech, mm-hmm. and 
the lady jumps all over, jumps right in the middle of me about they have a leak in the roof and it's my fault. <laughs> yeah, you know, no good deed goes unpunished. Is all I can tell I, you. I'm sitting there. I'm, I'm Sarah. I'm standing there with my two boys saying. I, I can't connect the dots exactly. <laughs> Thank you very much. We're out of here. Yeah. Um, but David, uh, moving off from the garden and, and, and the, the trip down memory, it was really delightful to go back that trip down memory lane and was very rejuvenating. Um, but uh, while I was gone, uh, the political uh, process has continued on, <laughs> as relates to immigration. It and, has. Uh, it, it seems that your lead candidate, Donald Trump, is now double everybody else. He, he is going to be the nominee for the GOP. <laughs> no, David shaking his head. Not a chance. I agree, David. There's not a chance this guy's going to be the nominee for the GOP. But it, it got me thinking because uh, a friend of mine, and you know, this is where I grew up in upstate New York. It's a pretty conservative place. This is in New York City, okay? And they they know Trump. I mean, Trump is well known commodity in New York. <laughs> yeah. You know, people around the country getting their first taste of Donald Trump, but he is a well known commodity in New York. And my friends were like, "What's the deal with this guy? Why do you guys like him so much?" He's an idiot. He'll say he'll say and he has no control between his brain and he'll say and do anything. You know, so uh, for him, and he has no. When, when you look at his policy, in fact, David, I would challenge you to go to the policy page of his website. Oh wait, there is no policy page on his website. It's just about the Donald. There's he has no positions. In fact, if you go back and you look at his positions over the years, universal health care. Pro-choice. Um, uh, I mean, there's a list of five things I had on top of my head, but everything, one of these are anathema. Anathema. Immigration. He favors a legalization program. Anathema to the current Republican Party, at least the people that are supporting him. So it's really interesting to see. Now, I think what people like about him, David, is he will just say anything. He'll assault anybody. It's it's really like having Don Rickles running for president. Um and uh, the thing is, Rickles all meant that in good fun. This guy, he doesn't care what you think. He doesn't care what America thinks. And I love the great trucker hat that he found at some truck stop somewhere. Make America great again. You mean America's not great? I thought America was still great. You mean make America greater, better. Uh, you know, I would love to hear some optimistic messages other than, I mean, I think Kasich and Bush have got some optimistic messages out there. and They've got some good policies. Um, but Trump has got nothing. He's offering nothing other than I don't like politicians and I give them money and I'm rich. I mean that that's his that's his statement. I, and of course he's self-funded his campaign to this point. I think this for him, I think he's just taking a vacation. This is a vacation for him from his regular regular stuff. And he's I want to I'm going to fund my vacation. I got a, I got a, a few billion dollars. I'll spend a billion dollars on this. What the heck? I can't, I'm not going to leave it to my kids. Screw them. I'm going to use it all. So it's it's really interesting as he moves forward. He of course has no chance. He couldn't beat Bernie Sanders in a national election. Although many, although I will tell you, they have some of the same policies, huh. uh, uh, or, or based upon uh, Donald's past, some of the same policies. I do love when he trots out. You know, he came to see me for money, and I helped. You know, this Walker guy. I mean, I, I helped fund his campaign, and uh, you know, he's a loser. What a loser he is! He's a loser. He gets in there. He's got crappy roads. He's got crappy schools. He's a loser. And he's, he's going to challenge me. He's a loser. And that, that to me, Dave, that is so New York. That's what I grew up with. Uh, my partner, Danielle, is from, from Long Island. She's just, that's not New York. I said, Danielle, you grew up in Long Island. 
This is very much a city thing. And this guy's got city all over him. And it just comes out that way. Now, I hope I mean, New Yorkers don't get offended by this, but my guess, we all know people like this in the city. He just happened to have made a, a few billion dollars doing it. Um, and he's good at it. Now, on the business side, I have no doubt this guy is a true businessman. He never, ever puts up his own money to buy stuff. Ever. He takes your money, David, and my money. And then he gets an ownership stake. That's how, I mean, it, from a deal point of view, he is branded. And so it's his brand that's worth money. And his brand is how he makes money. He doesn't produce anything. He doesn't make anything. He doesn't develop it. He takes your money and does something. And that, from a business perspective, is brilliant. From a government perspective, probably not so much. <laughs> probably not so much. Uh, so the whole, the whole brouhaha about, about um, Trump, he's now at 25% in New Hampshire. Now that's a huge, that's double Jeb's number. Now, Jeb stayed pretty consistent. Jeb's been at 12, 13, 14 the whole time since he's announced. Walker's been tanked in New Hampshire, which is bad for him. Walker's tanking in Ohio. He doesn't win Iowa. In Iowa. He doesn't win Iowa, where he's from, uh, even though he's a Wisconsin governor, but he's born in Iowa. And Trump or somebody else wins Iowa, Scott Walker's out of the race because he's got to win the conservatives there. But what's been interesting is the poll just came out today of, the, of likely GOP voters. Do you support Donald Trump's statements on immigration? A majority, like 51% said yes. Now, these are primary voters. These aren't all Republicans. These are just these are primary voters. And then another poll came out at 45%. So what that means is primary voters of the GOP are about 20% of the GOP because they only get 20% out to vote in primaries. All right? And of that, 25% support him. So that's, that boils down to about... 10 to 15 percent of the population that, that agree with Trump. That doesn't surprise me at all. I mean, that's exactly what I think it is. Now, the question is, what does he say when he talks about immigrants? Do you support the fact that all illegal immigrants are racist or are rapists? Not racist. They're not racist. They're rapists. That's what he said. Let's take a break here on Immigration on America's Web Radio. Si usted tiene problemas con inmigración o asuntos que tiene que arreglar, llama a los abogados de Cook Immigration Partners. Somos en su lado. Tenemos más de 50 años de experiencia haciendo las leyes de inmigración y defendiendo a los inmigrantes. Llámenos hoy a las 404-816-8611, a las 404-816-8611 o al www.immigration.net. Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules or if you marry a foreign national. Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome back to the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. It's good to be back again today, David. We were talking a little bit about um, the Trump. So twenty-five. He's got twenty-five percent of the vote in New Hampshire, which means David he has does not have seventy-five percent of the vote. 
So 75% of the GOP do not support Donald Trump. You don't ever hear anybody talking about that. But who do they support? Well, we got... Now, oddly enough, Kasich has only been in the race a week, right? He's already in the top four in New Hampshire. Already in the top six in Iowa. Now, the question is, did he come in too late to make that first crazy Fox News debate? And I don't think he did. I think he's going to make the debate. Uh, But who's not going to make that debate? Well, hopefully, we won't have to hear from Bobby Jindal, who has nothing to offer anybody. Uh, We won't have to hear, I hope, from Huckabee, who, 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 who tries to out-Trump Trump by talking about the Holocaust. I mean, really, somebody please pull him aside and sell him how wildly inappropriate that is uh, compared to the Iran deal. Uh, one thing I do find very interesting, David, is this whole series of discussions around the Iran deal and where the candidate is sent on it and what that means for immigration. You say, how does, the, how does immigration get impacted by, by the Iran deal? Well, first of all, if you move towards – now, it's not a move towards normalization, okay? We're not normalizing agreements with, with Iran. But if Iranian – if the Iranian economy, Iranian economy can improve dramatically through the lifting of sanctions, that means there's more money for Iranians to invest. Did you know that we have a treaty of investment with Iran? Did you know that? So if you're – but we don't have a treaty with, for example, uh, Peru. We don't have a treaty with uh, China. We don't have a treaty with Russia. Uh, but we do have a treaty with uh, with Iran. Now, of course, it dates back to the a long time ago. Um, and but today, if you're an Iranian national and you have sufficient funds that you can trace that you've made in your life legally uh, through non-sanctioned business, you can come to America and invest in a business and creating and get an E two visa. Now, you can't do that at the U.S. consulate in, in Tehran because we don't have a U.S. consulate in Tehran. But you can go to Istanbul, you can go to Abu Dhabi and get a visa there to come to the U.S. and and invest in the United States. So there could be a lot more Iranians coming to the U.S. who successfully create businesses in Iran that come here. Now, if you have a chance, David, and you're going to Iran and you have a business that's effective and you create money, would you stay or would you go? I'm going to tell you, a good chunk of people would go because they're afraid of the politics of the country. I'm a big believer in openness and, and capitalism creating opportunity. I don't think sanctions solve any significant problems. They can bring people to the table, not going to solve any problems. Look at Cuba. They got around sanctions. Now, Iran has gotten around sanctions to a certain extent, but because all the major countries in the world are sanctioning them, if you think Russia's not slipping money under the table, you're crazy, um, then you know they've been more affected. But if the U.S. does not agree to this treaty, every other country is. The sanctions are gone. They're gone. All right. So we can keep creating our own unilateral sanctions, but that 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 is to actually to our detriment and not to not to not to Iran's detriment, because the sanctions they'll be out of. Plus they'll be more incentivized then to to actually go back and start that nuclear program earlier than the fifteen years. Uh, but going back to the politics here, because I just fascinated because everybody was talking about Obama as Neville Chamberlain. Um, you know, there was a really interesting uh, thing about this, about uh, when was the last time a sitting U.S. president did an approachment to a foreign power that we deemed kind of an evil empire? Do you recall when that was? When did they what? When, when a U.S. president engaged in some sort of reapproachment with a foreign power that we had no relations with, that we Reagan kind of... Uh, oh, before that even. Well, it may be a regular word job, but before that. 
Japan. No, no, Japan. We, we, we did a really brilliant thing with Japan. We made them our friends right after the war. That was brilliant. Brilliant strategy by Eisenhower. Brilliant. What's the last bit? Between, between them and Reagan, what was the other big reapproachment that caught massive flack from the right of the United States? Nixon. Nixon went to China. Now, I was a very young man when that happened, so I don't remember the politics. But you were you were a little bit older. Wasn't Nixon vilified for that? Oh my gosh! You know what they called Nixon? Neville Chamberlain. <laughs> How'd that work out? You know Reagan. You're Neville Chamberlain trying to get a deal with Gorbachev and the Russians. You're going to destroy America. Going to destroy David. You got to go back and read. This is why I love being a historian. Why I love history. Why I was a history major. Go back and read this stuff in the press. Now, the brilliant stuff about the internet today. I'll disagree with you on Reagan. I'm going to find this stuff and email it to you. Yeah, because when he, you know, Mr. Gorbachev tear down this wall. No, no, I'm not the, from Reagan's perspective. I mean, he Reagan was attacked for doing it. Is what I'm saying. Reagan was accused of selling out to the Russians. That's the thing. And it's the same verbiage. It's much like anti-immigration rhetoric. It's the same today as it was in 1875, okay? It just changed the nationalities. The rhetoric, again, I'm not, I'm not defending the deal. I haven't read the deal. I'm not a nuclear expert. I'm going to defer to the nuclear experts to tell me it's a good deal or not a good deal. But I know this. When Huckabee says, well, he didn't get the hostages back, he didn't get a commitment to inspect the military bases, he didn't get a commitment to um, to, to not have nuclear power. Of course not, because those weren't on the table. The deal was, will you stop development of nuclear weapons in return for the following? Hostages weren't on the table. This wasn't, an, and remember, we weren't, it wasn't the U.S. and Iran sitting at a table. It was Iran and six other countries sitting at a table talking about whether they're going to have nuclear weapons. And oddly enough, Israel, through the U.S., was at that table. Do you know that? You would think they weren't based on what you hear, but they were at that table through the U.S. And they constantly liaise with the U.S. negotiators on this. So I'm not saying it's a good deal or bad deal. I'm just saying from a perspective of politics, we've heard this before. Um, and again, it's about political posturing. What I find interesting about this is that Obama chose to do this right as the presidential election is really coming to a head. Because, you know, he could have just said, you know, walk away, let the next president worry about it, I don't care. But he didn't. Um, he is more a president today than he has been in the first six years of his presidency. You might not like the president he is, but he is certainly acting more like a president than he ever has before. Um, now, David, I want to get back to the politics of immigration here briefly, because now that I've opined on everything else. Uh, do you know who Carly Fiorina is? Okay. She is the uh, fired executive from AP, who's, uh, HP who's running for president. Well, she started to come up a little polls a little bit. She may make the debate. She may make the debate. She's at the bottom of the top ten. I mean, she's not way down. She's not Lindsey Graham, okay? And she's got some some, some money, and she's got some uh, organization. Um, but somebody asked her this question on immigration. Uh, somebody from Huntington Beach, California. I was really pulling for you and thought you would be a great opponent against Hillary. Even the GOP realized they're running against Hillary. But then you went and disparaged Trump's comments about illegal aliens, when in fact it's the truth. 
just about everyone in America knows. So please, and in as much detail as you can, explain your stance on immigration, especially illegal immigration. And as of now, I've switched my vote to Trump, unless you can convince me you have America's interests at heart. Oh, Karen Dickerson of Huntington Beach, California, thank you for that wonderful question, which is based in so much ignorance I can't even dig myself out of. Now, Carly answers this. Now, I thought Carly Fiorina's answer was... And to a certain extent, good. Because uh, she starts out with this. First of all, Karen, our borders have been insecure for 25 years. That's actually not true. Our borders have actually never been secure. So to put a timeline on it is a joke. Um, so, of course, Americans are angry. So the premise is wrong, but, okay, there's an insecure border issue. Okay, Now, this is the point that every politician so far has skipped. What do you mean... By secure borders, what's what's your what? What do you mean by that? Um, we've had sanctuary cities for fifteen years. Also, not true. We've had sanctuary cities for a very long time, and much longer than fifteen years. I remember, Tucson was one back in the first amnesty, or rightly after the first amnesty. Uh, we haven't had an employer verification system that works for decades. Actually, that's also not true. I guess there's a lot of untruths here, or, or I guess misunderstandings of the rules. Uh, our legal immigration has been broken for decades. That's true. I'll give her that. Uh, we don't know who comes into the country. Actually, we do know who comes in for the most part. We don't know who leaves. That's actually not quite true anymore either. We do know who leaves as well. What we don't know is where the people are who did not leave that we knew came. So they're actually a smaller subset. Uh, Americans are really angry. Well, some primary voters in the GOP are really angry. Most everybody is not angry. I'm angry because the professional political class, frankly, of both parties, talks about this when they need to get the heat off, but they don't ever do anything about it. I agree, I agree with that. So here's what I would do. I would enforce federal laws in every city, including sanctuary cities. Okay, what do you mean by that? What laws actually are you talking about? All federal laws. Speeding, too. Does speeding get enforced all the time? That's a federal law. So nobody's going to go 66 miles an hour anymore, David. We're going to enforce all federal laws, just so that you know. Maybe she's referring to immigration laws. Well, I've got a really interesting point for, for her. We do enforce all federal laws. And then we make a decision about which one of those we can monetarily afford to enforce and which ones we currently can't monetarily enforce and then decide with the limited enforcement dollars we have how we're going to do it. Sanctuary cities. What it, what actually is a sanctuary city, David? Does anybody can can somebody define that for me? What is, San Francisco? What does that mean that they're a sanctuary city? It means that they have been sued in federal court, and a federal court judge has said that an immigration hold is one voluntary, and two can subject the city to unlawful imprisonment if incorrect. That. Un, that really unlawful federal detainer request is not based on probable cause. If based on probable cause, i.e. a warrant for the individual's arrest, then the cities do actually recognize it. So really what you have is a laziness in ICE in actually getting federal warrants for people who have violated federal immigration laws criminally. Um, all right, next. I would secure the border. Cool. What do you mean by that? She says, it isn't rocket Wait a second. I've said this, haven't I? It isn't rocket science to secure the border. It takes money. I think I've said that. It takes manpower, which we already have. 
It takes technology, which we already have. But mostly, apparently, it takes political willpower and leadership. All right, so again, what is your plan? This She talks about professional political class that talk about stuff. How are you going to do this? Okay, in the following sectors of the Border Patrol, we're going to allocate $1 billion for the hiring of ex-new Border Patrol agents. By the way, the more you hire, the more corruption you get, so you got to have a better hiring standard because you don't want to hire more corrupt agents. Um, and we're going to have in place policies that ensure these agents follow the Constitution of the United States. Um, and we're going to allocate funds for... Uh, radar and uh, foot traffic and the stopping of individuals closer to the border fence. We're going to erect outposts in places where nobody wants to live so they can be stopped in a timely fashion. Again, is that your plan? Because I want to see the plan. There's no plan how you're going to do it. Now, really, as you know, and I, David, I've talked about this, you want to reduce illegal immigration then have a legal immigration system that works. So that's easier to come legally than without papers. Um, and so she says, so let's secure the border and end sanctuary cities. We'll get back to California. We'll get back to Carly Fiorina's non-solution in a minute here on America's Immigration and the Immigration on America's Web Radio. Si usted ha casado con un ciudadano o tiene problemas con inmigración o tiene una oferta de trabajo, llama a los abogados de Cook Immigration Partners. Somos en su lado. Con más de 100 años de experiencia en la ley de inmigración, conocemos la ley y sabemos cómo ayudarle. Llámanos hoy a las 404-816-8611, a las 404-816-8611, o visítenos al www.immigration.net. With all the back and forth in today's politics, it seems as though the Constitution gets lost in the mix. If you want to brush up on your Constitution, then join Michael Conley every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. for the show Our Constitution on AmericasWebRadio.com. Whether cruising the strip at a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business, or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules, or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. This is America's WebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome back to the Immigration Hour, America's Web Radio. We're talking about Carly Fiorina's immigration stance, where she finally says... I would fix the legal immigration system. Okay. This is something she should know about as the head of HP, which hired thousands of foreign workers. We have at least 16 different visa programs. Again, that's a little vague. What do you mean by visa programs? Half the people who are here illegally came on a legal visa and just overstayed. That's true. We hand out thousands of border crossing cards that are supposed to be good for a day, but it turns out they're good for years. Well... We don't hand out as many as we used to. In fact, we don't hand out border crossing cards, but for the most part, those are pretty well maintained. We let the wrong people in, we send the wrong people home, and then finally, of course, we need to deal with people who came here illegally and stayed here illegally. And what I've said for a long time is they do not earn a pathway to citizenship because they have people have played by the rules and studied our history and taken the oath. They have to be rewarded for understanding what responsibility decision means. That's kind of a vague blah, 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 blah. So her stance on, 
on legal immigration, she wants to give a pathway to legality, which Trump also agrees with, which Bush also agrees with, which Kasich also agrees with. And I really do like Kasich. I, I really think he is an exceptionally qualified person for the presidency of the United States. Exceptionally qualified, much more so than almost anybody else running. Um, and uh, so if, if Fiorina's statements here can be taken at their face value, she basically agrees with me. Because I believe we should have a strong border. I believe that all laws should be enforced that are sensible. I believe we need to fix our legal immigration system, and I believe we should have a... You know, what she doesn't talk about here is a future flow, how to deal with, you know, the labor we're going to need into the future. And again, when you talk about immigration in isolation, you lose the context. You lose what it means to have immigration to a country and how that affects the country long-term, both negatively and positively. Not every benefit from immigration is positive, although the vast majority are. Um, but you can account for the negative effects of, of immigration by having a, an, a robust and excellent and well-functioning legal immigration system, which is exactly what we don't have right now. I mean, as somebody who's a practicing immigration lawyer and sees the consequence of a broken immigration system every day, uh, you know, I'll give you an example today, David. A woman called me and said, ICE came to my house this morning looking for my husband, uh, but uh, uh, per your advice, we didn't open the door. They didn't have a, they didn't have a warrant. You know, you know, I, I'm a big believer, I don't know about you, in the Fourth Amendment. I, I think the Constitution is serious when it says the police have to have a warrant to enter your house. Um, and this is a guy who was has been under – no, no criminal convictions whatsoever – uh, he is what's called a reentry after he was, he was ordered. He actually left the country voluntarily, and then came back in for what to care for his wife and kids. And so we had him last year on what's called an order of supervision. That is, he's he's here he's here under lawful presence with a work permit, but he's got an order of deportation. And we we moved to extend that last September. We haven't heard from them, so no answer from the government. Hey, please extend this. You extended it before. Good guy. He owns a he owns a business. He owns two houses. He has seven employees at his company. Um, he's got four U.S. citizen kids. I mean, really, over, and he's in the line. He's actually in the line, David. He's in the line for a green card. And then you show up at his house this morning. That's a waste of resources. Call his lawyer and say, we'd like to talk to him. Why are you sending ICE out looking for this guy? Again, a broken immigration system. This is a guy we want here, we need here. What about the guy who got arrested for DUI and you let go? Why did you let that guy go? So, you know, the system itself is really hurting our ability and you know and I, I believe the politicians want it this way Carly Fiorina is right on this that politicians love to talk about it when they need the votes but they won't fix it today you could pass in the Senate and the House an immigration bill while not perfect would solve the vast majority of these problems that wouldn't be purely punitive you could pass that if you let everybody vote on it. But if you won't bring it to the floor and you kowtow to the 25%, you're not going to be able to pass anything. And that's really, that's why we don't have the political leadership. And that's why I think somebody like a Bush or a Kasich who are willing to compromise, compromise is a good thing. You know, you're not compromising your values. You're compromising to get to a point where you can live your values in full extent. So I think we're going to, 
you know, hopefully over the next few weeks, see a shaking out of the GOP, and uh, maybe Hillary uh, will do something too uh, as the nominee from the GOP. Now, have you been following Bernie Sanders? Okay. Uh, Bernie is uh, a very interesting guy. Uh, and Bernie has, um, uh, he's a conundrum in some ways. He's very pro-gun. You know that, right? Very, very pro-Second Amendment. You didn't know that? Bernie has like a 95% rating from the NRA. I mean, very pro-gun, which apparently is a problem in the Democratic Party. Um, and, uh, I mean, he voted against, I mean, almost against everything um, on guns. So he's been very NRA-friendly because of where he's from, Vermont. It's a pro-gun state. You know, they might they might put a they might put a Democrat socialist in, in the Senate, but they do expect them to protect their gun rights. <laughs> um, so Bernie is taking it. Bernie is kind of like Donald Trump. I view them as the same. Now I have friends that will attack me for that, but you know it's the true. They're just pointing out the flaws, keeping in mind that Bernie's been in politics for the big chunk of the later part of his life, so he is part of the problem as well. Um, and he's got a long voting record on a lot of this stuff. But he talks he talks the talk. He doesn't necessarily walk the walk, but he talks the talk. And so what he's trying to do is bring Hillary more to the left. Now, it is no doubt Bernie will get plenty of votes in Iowa. Bernie will get plenty of votes in New Hampshire. But at the end of the day, he has neither the, 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 he has neither the organization nor the money to run a national campaign for president, period. You need how much money do you need to run for president? A billion dollars, at least a billion dollars. You need a billion dollars, right? He has no hope of getting a billion dollars, not not a chance. Now he might he might be able to raise ten million, twenty million, thirty million from you know lots of you know three million, four million people, but he's not raising a billion dollars from those people. And so so really, his candidacy is really an exercise in frustration and designed to push Hillary to to the left. Hillary seems to be doing a really good job of completely ignoring him. I, the debate is certainly on 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 the left, on on the Democrat side, certainly not as vociferous it is as it is on the right. Not a lot of personal attacks going on. Um, now, uh, as far as the the other thing, the other parts of these candidates on immigration, it's kind of a candidate show on immigration. Rand Paul. Now. If you were going to take um, Rand Paul and put him in the context of immigration, where would you put him, Dave? Would you put him kind of on a more towards the legalization amnesty side or more towards deporting everybody kind of side? More towards the amnesty. And, and actually on, uh, on uh, uh, Fox News Sunday, Rand Paul said this, I think by and large the majority of people who come to this country want the American dream. I agree with that. They're not rapists, <laughs> you know. As Don Donald Trump, said, uh, I'm not even saying there are rapists. There, there probably are a few, but the vast majority of undocumented immigrants. He's well. I'm talking about undocumented immigrants. Well, you know, you forgot to say that word. <laughs> you forgot to say that word. Um, so it is. Uh, it is interesting because I think you know Rand Paul is going to get a lot of pushback from that. Of course, he's not going to be the nominee either. I don't think he's going to make the debates either. Um, I think he's off the debate debate stage as well. Um, but what's interesting is you get a lot of the because this was tweeted on Fox News here's what you get in response I think a large majority here to steal the American dream really from whom those too lazy to work 
I, I mean, I, I told this before. I know a lot of people personally. They're friends of mine. Nobody's here to steal anything. They are here to work their butts off, though. They're here to work their butts off. Um, and um, why, why don't they wait the required time before invaded this country and stealing jobs from blacks? Wow, that's an interesting conundrum. That's the new stack by the anti-immigration left, uh, right, by the way, is to try to get African-Americans pissed off at undocumented immigrants without realizing that, in fact, in many ways, their struggle is exactly the same. Um, now, so Rand Paul is going to be a pro-legalization. Trump will be a pro-legalization. Um, Bush will be pro-legalization. Casey will be pro-legalization. Apparently, Carly Fiorina will be pro-legalization. Um, you've got Bobby Jindal against it. Scott Walker against it. Uh, as you round out the top ten, Chris Christie, probably pro-legalization. I don't think he really cares very much. Um, so really, most of the GOP are pro-legalization, and yet that's not the message that's getting out to the Latino community. The message getting out is you're all rapists and we hate all of you, and all your relatives are rapists. That's the message getting out. So as a, as a, as a, as a card-carrying member of the GOP, I'm thinking, how can we change this perception? Um, and the reality is, I don't think we can change the perception. I think we're stuck with it now. I think you've been branded, and that brand's going to stick until a president is elected uh, that goes through a primary process where all the talk is positive. And, you know, I think that the GOP would be better off just following the example of Ronald Reagan, who campaigned on amnesty in 1984. He campaigned on it against a Democratic Party that was not in favor of it. And as a result, Reagan got a good chunk of the Latino vote, which which percentage there was back then. There wasn't a whole heck of a lot. But I think that if the the GOP would be more Reagan-esque in its approach to immigration and talk more positively about this, I... It's funny because the people that tend to be very vociferous online, you know, these, these trolls online, I ask, you know, I talk to them personally, so who do you know that's undocumented? You know, whose job has been lost that you know to an undocumented person? Uh, what benefits have you lost because you've been undocumented? What have you gained by being by having undocumented people here? You, you ate today, right? You had your lettuce and your salad, and you had your chicken and your sandwich, and uh, you had your, uh, your your nice water in your bottle. That that wasn't done by gringos. That was done by immigrant labor. Many, much of it undocumented. So the, the and they said, well, I, I, it'd be funny if there was some sort of like an organic movement. I'm gonna eat organic food. I'm only gonna eat food grown by people who are legally in the United States. I think that person's gonna starve to death. <laughs> I think they're gonna starve to death here. Um, but the the process moves forward, David. I think uh, the debate is, what, next Friday? A week from this Friday? Uh, you think there's going to be any questions on immigration in that debate? I, I would imagine. So. I think we're going to get a few questions on that. I, I'm kind of uh, kind of excited about that. Maybe I... Now, is Fox going to do a thing where you can, you can text in or tweet them questions and they'll ask them or not? I have no idea. It'd be really interesting if that, uh, if that was the case. Um... But uh, how about we take our final break here on the Immigration Hour and come back here in just a minute. Um, and, of course, if you have any questions on immigration or questions that you want to be on the show or your comments, email me at ccook@immigration.net. We'd love to hear from you.
Soy Charles Cook, el jefe del grupo de abogados Cook Immigration Partners. Estoy en su lado. Con más de 20 años de experiencia con la ley de inmigración, conozco cómo ayudarle. Sé la ley y sé que alguna gente podemos ayudar. Llámanos hoy a las 404-816-8611. A las 404-816-8611. O visítenos en el internet. www.immigration.net Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like. With all the back and forth in today's politics, it seems as though the Constitution gets lost in the mix. If you want to brush up on your Constitution, then join Michael Conley every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. for the show Our Constitution on AmericasWebRadio.com. Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business, or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules, or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome back to the uh, final segment here on the Immigration Hour on this beautiful uh, Tuesday. Uh, David, you know, we talked a few months ago back in November when President Obama issued his 12 policy, or Jay Johnson issued the 12 policy memos, one of which, of course, was DACA and DAPA. Uh, but one of the other ones was a reassessment and prioritization of deportations. Uh, a study came out just this last week that um, concluded that if the policy memos are implemented fully on the issues of prioritization of deportation, that the 400,000 number of deportations that Obama has achieved in each of his years as president will dip down possibly to as low as 250,000 people. Uh, so uh, initially there should be a drop this year of at least 25,000 fewer people being deported. That would have been in the past because of this policy memo change. Uh, and going forward, maybe as much as 150,000 would be affected in the future where they might have been deported and are not going to be. Uh, now that said, uh, uh, what we have going forward is an interesting conundrum for the Obama administration. They want to, they, they, they still believe, and I, I believe as well, that we are going to have uh, DAPA. Uh, I think DAPA will will pass. I think I think uh, if the um, I, I think that the Obama administration does in fact, as we talked last week, go for an en banc hearing, that an en banc will overturn the decision that we think will come down. I think this week, David, we should have the decision from the Fifth Circuit on their new appeal. Um, and if they go against Obama, which I believe they will do, hopefully the Obama administration has already gotten their en banc motion written and are ready to file that within days of getting the decision denying them their relief. Um, and once that's, uh, once that's overturned and in place, you will see a dramatic increase in both the economic uh, uh, involvement of immigrants in American society 
a dramatic increase in university enrollment, a dramatic increase in school enrollment, and a dramatic increase in the economy uh, as pertains to the those states that have large populations of undocumented immigrants who will benefit from this. And as a result, you're going to see a huge drop in the numbers of people who would be deported from the United States who, for no other reason than to be here undocumented. Um, keeping in mind that it is a federal crime to enter the U.S. illegally. It's a federal misdemeanor punishable by uh, six months in jail or a $500 fine. Uh, it is not a crime at all to overstay your visa. It's just a civil vice, immigration violation, it's a civil violation in which there's no jail time whatsoever. Uh, but ICE, at the same time, in an attempt to keep their jails full because of the contracts they have with private prisons, uh, have been going out looking for people uh, that have criminal, even ancient criminal records. We had a client a couple weeks ago who has, um, uh, he had been released from immigration custody last year. He'd been picked up for driving without a license. And he got put into deportation proceedings before the memos came about. And we were waiting for a court hearing, and he had no bond. We just let him out of custody and say, okay, we'll see you in court. And 15 years ago, he had a DUI. One DUI 15 years ago when he was a younger man. They came to a house and arrested him and put him in jail. He said, you're a danger to society. Yet you weren't a danger a year ago. What changed? Our policy changed. That doesn't make him more dangerous than before. And the judge denied bond. Going to keep that guy in jail now for the next six months, waiting for his immigration court hearing. Who, who is the lady judge that has gone against the Obama administration? Oh, this one in California. This is actually something powerful to talk about, David. Thank you yeah. for reminding me. As you know, the Obama administration's uh, initial response to the influx of 65,000 uh, women and children last year was to put them in jail. Because they couldn't think of anything better to do. Put them in jail. So they created these horrible detention centers, which are prisons, hired at least two private companies to build massive prison camps for them. Uh, that actually violated a 1997 agreement, that had been part of a settlement called the Flores Settlement, uh, that occurred while Bill Clinton was president and had detained women and children as well. Democrats are really good at detaining women and children. Uh, where it limited the ability of the federal government to detain children and... Uh, they were violating that agreement. And I, I think what happened was there's no institutional memory at DHS. So they forgot about it. Uh, then private activists brought that lawsuit in federal court, and the federal court judge has tried for the last six months, seven months, because I, I had a friend who was involved in the negotiations to a certain point, to get the government to live up to the agreement. And basically they just refused. They said, screw you, we're not going to do it. We're going to keep them in jail. And the judge came down on them like a ton of bricks last Friday. Uh, and said, look, I'm going to start ordering sanctions. Here's what you're going to do, X, Y, and Z. And I think what's happening as a result is they're now releasing these women and children into, into the society, mostly to relatives. Most of them have relatives here. Not like they're walking out into the street and you know going nowhere. Will, uh, will this affect uh, your friend and, and the situation in Texas? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, it will affect him. I was, I was blown away with the figure that I heard. It, it costs $231 a day to keep a child in custody. Custody. Yep. $231 yep. a yep. day. And, and, and in return, here's the alternative. If they have a parent, you can put an ankle bracelet on the parent for 12 bucks a day. And the kid's not going to the parent. Now, if the kid's alone, you put them in foster care. The state takes care of them, and then you reimburse the states for this. It's cheaper than $214 a day. Everything's cheaper than prison. Foster care is cheaper than prison. Uh, and so really, it's uh, the Obama administration, once again, 
not really caring about the, the constitutional rights of individuals. When you're in the country, you have constitutional rights, even if your immigration status is undocumented. There are certain constitutional rights that, that attach to you. So I actually was very proud of this judge, who was a liberal, not a not conservative judge, by any stretch of the imagination, a liberal judge, going directly after the Obama administration on this. And I, with all my heart, I'm grateful that she did that, because we should, we as a country should not have children in jail. We just shouldn't. I mean, this is crazy to keep kids in jail. It makes no sense whatsoever. Um, so... Um, that's happened. Now, going back quickly to the DAPA DACA thing, again, I think I think this is the week. This is my prediction, David. We will have a decision. Write it down. We'll see if I'm right. Uh, we'll have a decision by Friday afternoon on the DAPA lawsuit. Um, and my prediction is they will continue to keep the stay in place. That's my prediction. I don't like making that prediction, but I think... It is what it is. It is what it is. And um, um, uh, I just hope the Obama administration follows my recommendation, which, oddly enough, David, I don't think they listen to this show. I don't. I, I know. I'm, I'm, I'm stunned as well. Now, you can check, by the way, looking at the sources of your website to see who's downloading this and what, what server it comes from. See if you have any whitehouse.gov servers on there. I'd like to know, David. <laughs> I don't believe so. You don't think they're not listening to the show? NSA. Uh, the NSA, NSA.gov is probably pulling this stuff down. But then they would erase their visit here so you wouldn't know about it anyway. Um, and uh, as we move forward uh, this week, a couple interesting things happening uh, besides the anticipated decision from, from DAPA and DACA. Uh, uh, Congress is in session right now. Um, they have passed – the House has passed – an anti-sanctuary cities bill, uh, which punishes, withholds federal funds from cities who don't cooperate uh, with federal government agencies. Now, here's the conundrum that the House wants to put a city in. A federal judge says, you city can be held liable for false imprisonment for recognizing this detainer that is not based on a probable cause warrant. And then the federal law says, if you don't hold the people based on these federal cause warrant, we're going to withhold money from you. If you're a city, which do you obey? I'm pretty much going to go with the federal court. I'm probably going with the federal court. Now, of course, the federal court would rely on the, the executive branch to enforce its orders. <laughs> oh, the, the, oh, the web we weave, the tangled web we weave. Uh, um, now, I'm not trying to say they're deceived, but I would like to see the Obama administration actually engage in some, some real solutions here. You know, now that he's moving on a lot of these immigration issues, I would love to see him propose some sort of um, immigration bill and say send it to Congress here's a bill I think we, you know if he can negotiate with the Iranians why can't they negotiate Republicans are they harder negotiators are they better negotiators in Iran than in the than the Republicans are I think there they really could uh, happen here so a couple days ago the Republicans announced that they were going to have even more uh, immigration legislation coming down the pike now, that immigration legislation comes out of Steve King. Steve King, who is Mr. Anti-Immigration himself. Um, and uh, the commitment... Now, so Kevin McCarthy is number, th- number two in the House, makes a commitment to King that they're going to bring more enforcement legislation to the floor after August. So, more enforcement stuff. You know, where's the money? 
Where are you getting the money to enforce this stuff? China. China will lend it to you. No, we and we can't. Remember, the, the Republican bill has got to be balanced with, with cutting offset benefits. So what's the benefit of that's being offset? And I, I don't know. I just don't know. Uh, one thing I would like to see the GOP do, which I think it could do and get a lot of support, is, um, and this gets hard because the IRS doesn't want this, but I see so many people with tax returns uh, that are immigrants, that are filing tax returns, that are claiming their nephews or their nieces or their dog. Americans do the same thing in order to claim head of household or get more, more returns. I would like to see a more aggressive stance by the IRS going after people who claim their nephews and their nieces and their cousins' benefits. Because, first of all, I think, I think it is illegal. I think that's something that there is a problem in our, in our society among, among non-immigrants. But I don't think they are intentionally doing this. I think they go to some, some guy on Buford Highway, I'll get your tax I'll get your tax refund. They go, Great, I get a tax refund, that's awesome, I'll get a tax refund. Who doesn't want a tax refund? And they get these returns prepared that they sign that they don't understand. And this they're committing fraud by this, but they don't know they're committing fraud. I like to see some aggressive enforcement from the IRS coming down on the on these on these brokers and these notarios out there going after people. So Dave's been a good show. Look forward to next week when we'll be talking more about the garden and about immigration, hopefully dissecting the DAPA opinion from the Fifth Circuit. Until then, everybody, have an awesome week on America's Web Radio on the Immigration Hour. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you.